This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to The Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Barnabas Piper talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Books and podcasts are always best with a great cup of coffee. That's why we've partnered with Ligaris Roasters to create the Table of Malcontents blend. And guys, it's delicious. A smooth Brazilian roast that will make your heart happy. Head over to LagarisRoasters.com to order a bag or 12 today. Uh, hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. We are recording once again in exotic, breathtaking Indianapolis. I mean, it's bright. It, it is, is very bright, bright we today. We're, we're not yeah, used to the thanks. sun. We're a team of vampires here <laughs> well, on this, but we don't read vampire everybody fiction. Who, everybody who lives in Nashville between the months of November and April yeah. is more or less vampire. That's true. There's no yeah. sun. That's true. That's true. But it's uh, like a, I grew up here, so it just feels <laughs> so very, you're all right. So you're all right. <laughs> very so. normal to me. So, so yeah. listeners will 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 note that we have another voice on the on the podcast today. That's right, so. another generic white guy voice. That's right. That's, that's right. right. Uh, um, How do you feel about that? <laughs> hello, yeah. hello, hello, everybody. Yeah. So, as always, we have Barnabas and Dave, but we also have our friend Russ Ramsey. Russ, good to, good to see you on the show. Thanks for having me. This yeah, is fun. Yeah, yeah. I like that we traveled from the place where we all live right. to another city to sit down with you. <laughs> and that's we, how you that's how you get things done. That's yeah. right. That's we, how we I that's how I spend time with Tim We were Chally's. texting back and forth. I'm like, shouldn't we just do that, do it in the studio with Russ in Nashville? Like, no, it's it's Russ is so busy. We're we're all busy. <laughs> it's actually easier to, yeah. to drive four hours to Indianapolis where we all can do this as opposed to finding the one hour when Russ can drive thirty minutes into downtown <laughs> to meet us. Yeah, I'm all booked up. I yep. can't. Yeah, he yeah. can't do that. You are, man. <laughs> it's tough being an A-lister. Uh, oh, man. It's true. These conferences. Con- one of the things I love about conferences is how efficient. You can get a year's worth of meetings with people mm-hmm. in, in two days. Mm-hmm. And then you, yeah, then you don't have to talk to them again for a year. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's true. So the guy, that's the uh, sign of true friendship right yeah, there. There's a guy I was just talking to, literally, like, I felt like we picked up a conversation from two years ago at TGC, uh-huh. or last time I saw him. I'm like, okay, all right. And that's because yeah, you our actually content. did. Yeah, that's so it. anyway, I that's, says yeah. to the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, so yeah, thanks for, for, for joining us. Um, Ru- Russ, you've written... Um, a number of books you've you are a to lover be fair, of zero is a number let's <laughs> clarify let's zero. clarify Stop. what which the is, number is which is written written four, which, yeah. four. 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 four that's right four. Yeah, that's right uh-huh. four. so you've written four books you've written you um you've just planted a church mm-hmm. in uh cool springs yep. in tennessee um you have um you are a lover of art. Yes. What else do you want people to know about you? Uh, well, we're, our family is now in the, we have four kids and we're in the process of adopting um, a little boy from China. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's in play uh, for us right now. And um, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a baseball fan. Okay. Cardinals? St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. Right here. Ken Herbeck says hi. Really? It's just... Uh, <laughs> really? It's, I didn't know sports. We have two world championships since then. I, really? didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know sports until seminary. Like, I was not a sports guy at all. Mm. And uh, But I went to seminary in St. Louis, and it was the year 
that they had signed Mark McGuire, and it was the <laughs> McGuire Sosa home run race was happening. And uh, you know, say what you want about the steroid era, it was electrifying. <laughs> it was fun. it was, it was electrifying awesome. sure. to be in the stadiums and the in, yeah. in the ballpark, and then. Yeah. The Cubs and the Cardinals played each other. Yeah. It felt like they were the only two teams who played each other. Like, yeah. that was and all they this played. Year, and so you saw, you know, I saw about 15 of those home yeah. runs that, that year in person, and it just set the hook deep. I mean, other than the baseball. Yankees, you don't remember many teams from that era. You just remember, like, all those guys going back and forth. Uh, uh, so they were yeah. juiced up, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was That's actually all I remember. It was lots of fun. There were home juicing. runs. Going I, had, I had no complaints at the time at all. Yeah. 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 Yeah, awesome. Yeah, Aaron it has no make... idea what we're talking about, which is even better. <laughs> no, 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 no. I understand the steroids. It's I understand the steroids. <laughs> it, it does make you wonder, drugs. like, yeah. what is what is the the large and semi obvious scandal that's happening right now that nobody's really wrapping their arms around or embracing or talking? Mm-hmm. About? Well, yeah, what's the thing that we're intentionally <laughs> well, avoiding talking about? <laughs> yes, yes, man, yeah. that guy got twice as big in eleven yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, in ten years, at that time, we were so naive. You had McGuire Sosa and Monica Lewinsky going on. There was it was an exciting time for news. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, was, it was a, it was a simpler time. In America. We just took a we just took a real weird turn. <laughs> Dave went there. That's all right. Thank uh, you, Dave. Thank keep you. in mind, keep in mind, Russ. They, I, I'm writing my tell-all book. It's going to take about 20 years, but, uh, yeah. but you'll be in it. So maybe this conversation, and everything. Well, man, that's, that's right. Uh, yeah. And then the title uh, yeah. is, of course, hot micing it. Hot micing it yeah. in a tricast world. Yeah, I will tweet nice. something to the effect of honored to be a part of, uh, humbled, humbled mm. to be a part of Dave's. Mm, yeah, as tell yeah. pre-orders going up soon. Yeah. Twenty-year pre-order. Yeah. Blessed, blessed. Yeah. Hashtag, hashtag blessed. <laughs> hashtag blessed. <laughs> and you'll be blessed in your heart when you read this book. Um, where are you in the process of the adoption, too? So we are. Um, we finished our our home study and all the, most of the paperwork, and so now yeah. it's a you lot. Passed. of... A lot, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we've officially. So they didn't interview your kids. So China has given us <laughs> given us permission to officially pursue this particular kid, yeah. and so and now it's a lot of paperwork going back and forth between governmental agencies, and so we're we're mm-hmm. uh, doing more waiting and fundraising right now than we are, uh, mm-hmm. you know, chasing down notaries and and things like that. So, but wow, you know, to be well, clear, Russ's family is awesome, and I was poking fun at them because I like them. It's so funny. They're great kids. I was te- I was telling a, a fr- I won't mention his name because people know who he is but he, I was telling this guy uh, that we were doing this and he didn't he, I, I was watching him process what I just said he said we, hey our, by the way our family's getting ready to adopt a boy from China he has a critical heart defect and, and uh, he was processing the information and he goes how, how uh, wh- what are you trying to prove <laughs> <laughs> Boy, and I think I'm cynical because when you told me, you know what I think I thought? Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, you're like, okay, all right. Okay. What was your answer? It was yeah, pretty much. I just laughed. Did you look at him and say, "Well, I'm better than you"? Yeah, just, I think I probably did. Uh, my superiority. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to prove? Well, off mic, off mic. I'm about to find out who this was. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like yeah, this, this one won't this be our fun sucker punch of the week that we can't name, but this guy's going to get sucker punched. The, the, the anonymous insulter of adoptive families. <laughs> trying to prove. Hi, Russ. Getting, getting into the book sphere, you have, you have a deep and abiding affection for a particular author mm-hmm. who I've, I don't think I've read. Maybe I did when I was Wait, like in high school. Is it 
You're going to say Lee Finger? No. Oh. No, not that one. I've tried to avoid that subject. <laughs> yeah. But while you're on the subject, go ahead. Get your jokes out of the way. Hey, you know, yeah, the three right. of us have interviewed him before. I, I know. knew that. Yeah. I've read Russ's. I have not sure listened to your respective interviews. Yeah, I listened yeah. to See the this? podcast you guys did, and I, I thought the three of you together was one of the best things I'd ever heard. Or something. I, I listened to this podcast, and yeah. there was something re- refreshingly different about that episode, and I don't know what it was. I couldn't put my finger on it, but it was working. Truth, truth be told, yeah. I read your interview first. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, and there were some pieces. The whole, I, the whole, when I first talked to Leif, about you know that that quote that he shared with you first was mm-hmm. this is my most uh, Christian novel yet least evangelical yeah or he may have said it the opposite way but yeah you know, the point be made uh, uh-huh. which I thought like man that's was like whoa okay I can't wait to read the book yeah and that's when I asked you know uh, I think I talked to the publisher I was like man send us a bunch of copies because we we got to bring them in so yeah yeah that, he yeah he that was in a an email to me personally where he said that. And then I was writing an article for the Rabbit Room, you know, about the book. Mm-hmm. And I, I just said, "Hey, can I, can I use that that quote because it's got it just carries a lot of freight, you yeah. know." And uh, so he, he yeah. gave me his blessing to do that. So cool. I'm so glad he did because yeah. mm-hmm. because I think it's a I think it's a great um, one. I think it's a great tease for the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, I think it's also. Um, a pretty enlightening bit of information to have going into going into reading reading yeah. that novel and, and seeing what he's doing in there because it's just great. Mm-hmm. It was great. That was awesome. Well, it was good. You started yeah. off. We wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not that <laughs> I was excited about the book. Period, but yeah. also. Uh, I was jealous you got an early view of it, so I don't think I had a get. You had a galley, I think, mm-hmm. uh, an advanced copy. I, I didn't I at refused, that point. I, I started the galley, and I was like, this is so good that I'm not going to finish the galley. I'm going to wait till I get my real copy so yes. that I can put put all my yeah. my mm-hmm. my marginal markings and underlinings and read and reread, and yeah. I wanted it in hardcover. So yeah. I gave the galley to somebody else. Who would be who had not read Anger, and I was like, okay, we're paying this yeah. one forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listeners, we are talking about Virgil Wander. I know we've talked yeah. about that plenty, but that's the particular <laughs> book we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, if you're a new listener, this yes. is what we call a man crush. Yeah, is that what it is? It's a little weird, and we've just you know, Russ just completes. There's nothing this. weird about it. <laughs> it's appropriate weirdness. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you were asking about Annie, Annie Dillard. Right? I was asking about yeah. Annie Dillard. Thank you for putting a little lemon juice in the paper cut of the fact that I have not interviewed Leifanger. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find, I'm going to make contact with him on my own. I'm going to interview him on my own. I'm going to leave all of you out. I'm going to te- text him right now. And let him- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I hate you and all Christian love, Dave. <laughs> Annie Dillard. You have, you, you Dillard. love Annie Dillard's writing. Yeah. And uh, so Pilgrim at Tinker Creek is the only book that I think I've read, but it has been a long, long time. And I don't know her work at all. Yeah. But I have seen you reference her. Express your appreciation for write longer form pieces about the influence. What what is it about Annie Dillard's writing that you appreciate so much? I think the the first thing I would say about that <clears throat> is uh, it, I, I would trace back my desire to be an author to reading an Annie Dillard book. Which one? Uh, her novel called okay. The Living. Okay. Uh, which is a long kind of meandering novel it covers the span of a few generations of a family like the you know the people you meet in the first few chapters all kind yeah. of die before the first third of the book is over you know and then then you're reading about their kids and um, but and there's an Enneagram four all of that sad I'm a nine. Just, oh, you're nine I'm a nine I thought you were a four no no I'm, oh, okay. I'm nine I thought you said you were a four at one point okay as a yep. nine, that seems odd. I thought you were a four, which means you would love all the sadness. Sadness. Well, I do love the sadness. Okay. I, I think what it was. What, uh, so I was doing a semester abroad, and I was looking for something to read, 
uh, and the school had a copy of this. Somebody, another student at the school had a copy of this novel, and I said, check this out. And um, it has this, the, the, it has a photo on the cover uh, that is um, a pretty breathtaking photo. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a tintype of, of loggers in Washington State in the early 1900s. And yeah. it's just this beautiful, like, and I kind of fell into the hole of that, of that photo and started reading the book. And her, the quality of her writing and some of her just sentences just were just breathtaking that so what you just said is is the difference between like a novel reader and a mm-hmm. writer who reads ah. or like or like a deep loving reader because you you said her some of her sentences like most people who talk about books yeah. talk about like i love the story i love yeah. the characters all of which really yeah. good things but when you're when you're getting down to the way that somebody has put together like the order that they've put the words in yes the vocabulary that's chosen the that's, turn that's the a, turn of a yes, phrase i remember that's a, that's one a whole different thing i remember <clears throat> one sentence that that i read in that in that book the first time i was reading it i still remember to yeah. this day and i can't tell you many other books where I, I can quote to you a sentence right um but it was it was this was the sentence it was about a um a uh, a man who's who's uh He'd lost his wife, mm-hmm. and he's and, and and the line was he felt her absence from his side as amputation behind his breastbone. Was the sentence, mm. and yeah. I just was like, what just happened? Yeah, you know, and but and so then I started reading more, and the next thing I read actually was was a uh, was Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, which yeah. was her first book, and it won the Pulitzer, uh, and she was in her early twenties. And so it's a rough way to start. It is because you got to live up to yourself after that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Is that the place you should start mm-hmm. if you've never read any Annie Dillard? The place I tell people to start is I tell them to start with um, an expedition to the pole, uh, which is a collection of essays. Um, because mm, I think okay. Annie's strength um, is in the standalone essay, and a lot of her books, the chapters read like standalone essays okay. mm-hmm. that are all kind of around a similar theme, um, but. Uh, I wrote to her while I was, so I was in Israel, that's where I was studying, and I had read The Living, and then I got another book of hers, uh, Teaching a Stone to Talk, and I read this, this essay called An Expedition to the Pole, and to this day, it's the finest essay I've ever read in my life. Uh, I, it's, it's, the, it's the, for me, it's one of the greatest pieces of writing that I've ever encountered. Mm. And so I wrote her a, a letter. Uh, airmailed it over to her this is back in the 90s and she wrote me back she, she, she it was a postcard huh. you know so yeah. that James Taylor line sends a long letter gets back a postcard times are hard but I have a postcard from Annie Dillard and in that postcard she says that Expedition to the Pole was her favorite thing that she'd ever written to um, but well, anyway clearly, so clearly she has good taste she clearly she has she was right about that one but I think I think what happened was was in in reading her um, that was in the season where where the Lord was just kind of unlocking in my in my mind and heart a desire to do that. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't just leave those books inspired by what I had read. I left those books inspired to go and do likewise uh, and to you know. So she's kind of been my muse. Like I you know I aspire to stand in the foothills of what Annie Dillard has, has done with with. Um, the way she writes and in common parlance you want to write like annie dillard when you grow up yeah yeah mm. yeah i do i do and uh yeah so 
So yeah, I think the, I think the teaching at Stone to Talk and Expedition or and uh, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek are both great places. Her book American Childhood, which is a memoir, is also fantastic. And then um, she uh, uh, she has a book called The Writing Life. And if you're a writer, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my favorite book about about writing by a writer that I've okay. that I've ever read. I haven't read that one. I that you would love that because yeah. it, because it's it's less like you know about um, what she does you know it's less about kind of like, like well here's how craft. I go about it and here's yeah. the craft and it's and it's more a be- it's more of a, a, a demonstration of, of beautiful excellent writing okay. while it's on the subject of writing uh, and yeah. so it's 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 great I'm writing it down what was the name is American Childhood American Childhood that was the memoir okay. yeah and then a writing life the writing life yeah, yeah. cool those, oh, those and, popped up as kind of yeah. one of the top ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and one other book I'll mention um, is a really short, it's maybe maybe 60 pages long, and it's called Holy the Firm. And what happened was she wrote her first book, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, won the Pulitzer, and now as a writer, the world is her oyster, right? She can mm-hmm. do whatever she wants. And so she decides that she's going to write about th- just three ordinary days in her hometown. And... And so that's what Holy the Firm, she started off doing that. And on the second day, uh, mm-hmm. there's this air festival that happens and a plane crashes into the, mm. it crashes at the air festival yeah. and, um, and ends up hurting people who were there at the festival. And then, and then she kind of stopped and started keying in on what happened there. Yeah. And it ended up taking her a couple of years to finish this, uh, if I remember right, this 60-page thing and it becomes this this foray into um the suffering of of this particular person uh and it's <laughs> it's i've never read anything like it, it because yeah. it's 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 almost like a dream sequence in some mm-hmm. ways but it's but it's not hard to follow uh and 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 it's just yeah okay so anyway uh, annie annie has has my my attention. Can, can we hone in on one thing you just said? Yeah. You used the phrase, the world is her oyster. Uh-huh. I know what this means. <laughs> I want to know where it came from. Can we discuss amongst ourselves the phrase, the world is your oyster? Because... I, I have no idea where it came from. Right. It's one of those things that we're like, oh, okay, yeah. But, but why? Let's, why oysters? Let's get on the Google. And See what no, nothing like there's googling thing on audio. There's something to discover. I mean, because you open one up. Is there a pearl in there? Yeah. How? Yeah. Just mm-hmm. Enjoy seafood yeah. that's a lot like eating a loogie. Like, <laughs> what, what is, I don't understand. Uh, these are these are the things that keep me up at night. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing on that. Absolutely nothing. Man. Well, thanks for okay. coming on the show, Ross. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> outside of uh, well. outside of Annie Dillard, what do you what do you read on the like? You have guilty pleasure reads. Like, do you enjoy? Yeah, any sort of like, oh, this is a bad book, but I really enjoy it. Well, I don't know that I would call them bad, but okay. I would definitely put them in the in the guilty pleasure category. Is I love Louis L'Amour books. You know these these yes. formulaic westerns. Oh, they are um, yes, they are absolutely on a formula. And you know, fun. you know, early on, generally, who's going to live and who's going to die. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know that there's going to be an impossible back against the wall, 
pinned in the canyon, no way out, and, mm-hmm. then, and then something's going to happen. And there's going to be somebody who's in distress, usually a woman, usually a widow, usually a widow with a kid. Yeah. You know, and there's... Kind of like a Lee Child book that way. There's, there's some, there's some but, either... But, but Lula Moore's heroes are, are like a little bit more noble and virtuous sure. than, than the Jack Reachers Oh, of absolutely. The yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think there's something about this... The simplicity, the black and whiteness of, of a Louis Moore book, and and the, uh, you know, the nobility that is infused. Have into you the read any of his longer me. ones? So like he's he's got a thousand of those westerns. Uh-huh. Yeah. <clears throat> They're basically like Hardy Boys in cowboy form, sort of. For, for totally. Donuts. But so he wrote one called Last of the Breed, which is about it was about an American pilot who got shot down over Siberia doing like a spy mission. But he's he has that doesn't sound like a western. No. He survival. Has, so he has he has Native American. He's like I think he's half Native American, and uh-huh. so he he sort of rediscovers his roots in in survival in oh. Siberia to escape back to the United States across the uh, what is it the Bering Strait. Oh. Mm. So it's, but I mean it's it's, it's well, escaping okay. Russian. This is like it super was, Cold War. Yeah, it was yeah. Cold War era. Yeah. Okay. So so yeah. okay so worlds are colliding because. The other guilty pleasure that I have is survival stories. Okay, mm. I love survival stories. Me too. I'll, I'll yeah. get, you know, um, you know, mountain disaster stories. Yeah. you know, yeah. people getting lost in the woods. Yep. You like into thin air. You like those types oh, of I yeah. Love that kind of true stuff. or not, but yeah, yeah true but yeah. or not. Yeah. There's a great book by a guy named Lawrence Gonzalez called Deep Survival. Have you guys ever read this? No. no. Uh, the subject, the tagline is <laughs> "Who lives, who dies, and why," uh, and it's survival stories, and and it and and just kind of exploring. See, that sounds more fascinating to me. Like, I have a hard time doing the 300 pages on an expedition that goes awry. Yeah. That's just, it's not my favorite genre, but what you just yeah. described sounds a little it's bit so like, so there's a book called The Captain Class that okay. looks at the best sports teams in history, according to this, I think his name is Sam Miller? Or Sam yeah, Walker, I can't remember. Um, do you the remember? common characteristic of what makes the elite teams the elite teams, mm-hmm. and he comes down to the captain of the team and what those characters are. So it kind of sounds yeah. like that. Yeah, that's survival. what he's basic. Yeah, he's basically studying. Right. I'm putting this survival one on situations and yeah, Lawrence Gonzalez, mm-hmm. Deep Survival. One of the great little details in that book. I won't give the whole thing away, but he talks about how um, one of the best, one of the most likely demographics to survive being lost in the wilderness is children under the age of four. Huh. Really? Yep. And he, he said he said it happens more than you would think. A kid under the age of four gets lost wanders. in the woods and just wanders out of the woods yeah. one day. And and he said the reason is is because when you get to a certain age, you have a sense of how things are supposed to be. And when they're not that way, you're trying to get your current situation to conform to how it's supposed like, to be. Yeah. Huh. So you're lost and you're trying to get found. Instead of just adapting. And yeah. And a, and a kid is like, well, if, I'm, if I'm cold, I'll huddle up and if I'm thirsty I'll drink some water and if I'm I'm hungry yeah. I'll eat something that I find on the ground and, Ru- and Russ are you using this as like a, a sermon illustration sometimes too I have bring used, this into it I have yeah. used that as a sermon yeah. illustration although there's something about childlike faith in there somewhere well no I mean yeah there's lost and found type you know yeah. but, but it's more I know I'm just listening to this like I don't know many pastors who read like you and know how to extract stories yeah. that are going to help illustrate I've, what you're doing. I've never been that whenever mm. I was a songwriter for a while and then yeah. and then now I write sermons and whenever anybody you know has like a you know an idea or I'll say something or something will happen and they'll say oh you should put that into a sermon almost never works that way almost yeah. never works that way you know I'm not looking really for yeah. well you're not the way you preach isn't like 
example three points. Yeah. Like you, yeah. Having listened like to you preach, having listened to you present, and having read your writing, narrative is your thing. Narrative's my thing. Yeah. Narrative's my I mean, thing. So the, the narrative of whether it's a theological arc or yeah. a biblical story or, I mean, three of your books are retelling the narratives of what was it? Ad, it's Advent and the Christmas story, yeah. Easter, Lent, Lent and the Easter story, and then the kind of the, the formation of the church. Yeah, the book of Acts. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. the three of them together is yeah. e- Eden to Rome, yeah. you know, is, is the arc of, of that. And those are, have those been retitled? Yes. Or just recovered? Yeah, they're all, they're all retitled, recovered. They're with IVP uh, now. Yeah. So it's the, uh, the Advent of the Lamb of God that's is the right. first one, and that's basically Eden, the Old Testament story, up through the Nativity right. story, and then the Passion of the King of Glory, which is the life ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus, so a synthesis of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Mission of the Body of Christ is the third one, and yeah. it's, it's basically the ascension of Jesus through the rest of the narrative of the New Testament, which is mostly the book of Acts and then some narrative bits that you get in. Uh, some of the epistles and yeah. and you know um, that sort of thing, and so mm-hmm. it's a biblical literacy tool because mm-hmm. most you know as a, as a pastor, one of the things I'm finding is that um, it's an incredibly biblically illiterate age yeah. right yes. now, and that's not like an insult as much as just a statement of people have not read the Bible, correct? Right? And so even a lot of people who who would claim Christianity as their faith have not read the source material right um, from beginning to end, and they don't really know, you know, if I said, hey, put Abraham, Moses, and David in chronological order. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd be surprised if it would be if, a little dicey. Yeah, you, yeah. People, people, but I, I don't know. I might. They might. You know, get David right, but the Moses and Abraham part. You know, and so I wrote those to to basically give kind of a bigger picture arc right. of how those all mm-hmm. and, and you know with the thread toward and the and the presumption that they're all leading to Christ and they're all pointing to Christ and right. and so trying to help make those connections and, yeah um, well, well yeah. you you brought you, you made an interesting point there with with biblical illiteracy that I wonder if some of it is is that we and I'm really glad that the the way that you're doing it is trying to help people help people with this but just the fact that it's like we haven't taught anyone we, we've forgotten either forgotten how ourselves or we've forgotten how to teach people how to read this book is is really troubling mm-hmm. um you know because we we treat it as a you know a list uh basically a uh, book of disconnected sayings or or moral or morality tales mm-hmm. instead of actually yeah. having a having a narrative yeah. arc to it um, which you can see if you're paying it if you're paying attention and you know how to read books in general. Yeah, Sandra McCracken and I just did a workshop here at this conference um, yesterday on reading scripture with an engaged imagination. And part mm-hmm. of what we were talking about is is how I think a very Western way of approaching the Bible is what's the what's the application. Yeah. You know, so I'm reading a passage. Okay, now what am I supposed to do with it? What's the application? How do I apply yeah. it to my life? Yeah. And I think that undermines the way a story works. Yeah. Because um, a story, and it, a lot of the stories Jesus told don't resolve with a, and here's the moral to the story. In fact, people would come to his disciples and say, what was that about? And they would say, no, we don't, we don't know. 
You know, and, and only occasionally would Jesus break it down for them and say, okay, so here's the weed, these four weeds, these four plants that grow up, here's, here's what it is. But most of the time, it, it, the, kind of the power of it was that here's a very um, human narrative that now overlays on your human experience, and there's complexity, and there's nuance, and there's, um, it, you know, it, there's no like big gold shining takeaway of go and do likewise. It's now I have to sit with that story, and then that helps inform yeah. my own experience. It's striking how similar what you're saying is to we we talked to Karen Swallow Pryor on a mm-hmm. previous episode, and she was. So she's a literature professor. Yeah. We talked about her book on reading well and kind of where that came from. And she was talking about just general illiteracy. Like we're not mm-hmm. a reading culture. Yeah. yeah. Um, not that people can't read, but we we read tweets, we read quick articles, quick headlines, posts, everything. But very rarely do we sit and kind of dwell or relish a book. And she said the one of the most common problems her students bring into the classroom, so college level, is they want to jump straight to the interpretation. So you like buzz through the story and they're like, well, here's what I thought about it. Mm-hmm. And she said, instead of just slowing down and kind of the the words that are used, the language, so you went back, going back to like the, the sentences piece. Yeah. What, how was this thing put yeah. together? Which you, trans, you transition that to biblical literacy and you have, it's the same concept, but with a, you know, but you got the Holy Spirit involved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole different thing. I think that's a brilliant insight. Um, that that it's not just bibli- when you're talking about biblical liter- illiteracy, you're also just talking about general yeah. illiteracy yeah. and the the ability to, to sustain a thought. Right. Uh, the ability to um, to to stick with something for for yeah. you know even as an author, you know, I think about chapter length and I think. I think gone are the days of twenty-page chapters. If you want, or if you do that, you better put like a subheading sub yeah. every page and a half. Lots, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it so, essentially becomes all these little chapters. Yeah, that, the these way little vignettes. Yeah. So, that, so that the reader mm-hmm. doesn't have that overwhelmed feeling of you know. Yeah. Am I progressing? <laughs> yeah, am, am I getting the concept? This, this is too yeah. much. I mean, and I love reading, but I, I I get a sense of sort of I want to give up if I if I I see a solid block of text mm-hmm. on two two facing pages. I turn it's, the page and there's another one. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. this yeah. is for, it's four pages. <laughs> yeah. It is four, it's pages. four pages, and I'm like, I quit. <laughs> I yeah. give up. I want no part in this. <laughs> but isn't that fascinating funny. though? Because like you're a very experienced reader and actively engaged. You're listening to The Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Barnabas Piper talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Books and podcasts are always best with a great cup of coffee. That's why we've partnered with Ligaris Roasters to create the Table of Malcontents blend. And guys, it's delicious. A smooth Brazilian roast that will make your heart happy. Head over to LagarisRoasters.com to order a bag or 12 today. Uh, hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. We are recording once again in exotic, breathtaking Indianapolis. I mean, it's bright. It, it is, is very bright, bright we today. We're, we're, we're not yeah, used to the thanks. sun. We're a team of vampires here well, on this, but we don't read vampire fiction. Who, everybody who lives in Nashville between the months of November and April yeah. is more or less vampire. That's true. There's no yeah. sun. That's true. That's true. But it's uh, like a, I grew up here, so it this feels <laughs> so very, you're all right. So you're all right. Very so. normal to me. 
So, so <laughs> listeners will 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 note that we have another voice on the on the podcast today. That's right, so. another generic white guy voice. That's right. That's, that's right. right. Uh, um, How do you feel about that? <laughs> hello, <laughs> yeah. hello, hello, everybody. Yeah. So, we'll as always, we have Barnabas and Dave, but we also have our friend Russ Ramsey. Russ, good to, good to see you on the show. Thanks for having me. This yeah, is fun. Yeah, yeah. I like that we traveled from the place where we all live right. to another city to sit down with you. <laughs> and that's, that's, how you, that's how you get things done. That's yeah. right. That's, we, how, we I, were, that's how I spent time with we, Tim We were Challies. texting back and I'm like, shouldn't we just do that do it in the studio with Russ in Nashville? Like, no, it's it's Russ is so busy. We're, we're all busy. <laughs> it's actually easier to, yeah. to drive four hours to Indianapolis where we all can do this as opposed to finding the one hour when Russ can drive 30 minutes into downtown <laughs> to meet us. Yeah, I'm all booked up. I yeah. can't. Yeah, he can't do that. You are, man. <laughs> it's tough being an A-lister. Oh, uh, man. That's true. These conferences, conver- one of the things I love about conferences is how efficient. You can get a year's worth of meetings with people mm-hmm. in, in two days. Mm-hmm. And then you, yeah, then you don't have to talk to them again for a year. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's true. So the guy, that's the uh, sign of true friendship right yeah. there. There's a guy I was just talking to, and literally, like, I felt like we picked up a conversation from two years ago at TGC, uh-huh. or last time I saw him. I'm like, okay, all right. And that's because yeah, you that's actually our did. Yeah. So it. anyway, I that's, says yeah. to the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So. so, yeah. So, so yeah, thanks for, for, for joining us. Um, Ru- Russ, you've written... Um, a number of books you've you are a to lover be fair, of zero is a number let's clarify <laughs> let's clarify Stop. what which the is, number is which is written written four. Which, yeah. four. 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 four that's right four. Yeah, that's right uh-huh. four. so you've written four books you've written you um you've just planted a church mm-hmm. in uh cool springs yep. in tennessee um you have um you are a lover of art. Yes. What else do you want people to know about you? Uh, well, we're, our family is now in the, we have four kids and we're in the process of adopting um, a little boy from China. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's in play uh, for us right now. And um, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a baseball fan. Okay. Cardinals? St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. Right here. Ken Herbeck says hi. Really? It's just... Uh, <laughs> really? It's, have, I didn't know sports. We have two world championships since then. I, really? know, <laughs> I didn't know sports until seminary. Like, I was not a sports guy at all. Mm. And uh, But I went to seminary in St. Louis, and it was the year that they had signed Mark McGuire. And it was the <laughs> McGuire-Sosa home run race was happening. And, uh, you know, say what you want about the steroid era. It was electrifying. <laughs> it was fun. It was, it was electrifying awesome. sure. to be in the stadiums and the, in, yeah. in the ballpark. And then yeah. the Cubs and the Cardinals played each other. Yeah. It felt like they were the only two teams who played each other. Like, yeah. that was all they because And so you saw, you know, I saw about 15 of those home yeah. runs that, that year in person. And it just set the hook deep. I mean, other than the baseball. Yankees, you don't remember many teams from that era. You just remember, like, all those guys going back and forth. Uh, uh, so they were yeah. juiced up. But it was fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, That's it actually was, all I remember. It was lots of fun. There were home juicing. runs. Going I, had, I had no complaints at the time at all. Yeah. 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 Yeah, awesome. Yeah, Aaron has no idea what we're talking about, which is even better. (laughs) No, no, no. no. I understand the steroids. It's I understand the steroids. It does make you wonder, like, what is what is the the large and semi obvious scandal that's happening right now that nobody's really wrapping their arms around or embracing or talking Mm -hmm. about? Yeah, what's the thing that we're intentionally avoiding talking (laughs) about? Yes, yes. Man, that guy got twice as big in eleven days. We were so naive. You had McGuire, Sosa, and Monica Lewinsky going on. There was it was an exciting time for news. 
news. It was a simpler time. In we, just took a, we just took a real weird turn. <laughs> Dave went there. That's all right. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Dave. Thank keep, you. In mind, keep in mind, Russ, that I, I'm writing my tell-all book. It's going to take about 20 years, but, uh, yeah. but you'll be in it. So maybe this conversation and everything. Well, man, that's, that's right. Uh, yeah. and, and the title uh, yeah. is, of course, Hot Miking It. Hot Miking It yeah. in a TriCast world. I will tweet something to the effect of honored to be a part of humbled humbled mm. to be a part of Dave's book mm. yeah as tell yeah. all pre-order is going up soon yeah. 20 year pre-order yeah. blessed blessed to hashtag hashtag blessed hashtag blessed and you'll be blessed in your heart when you read this book um, where are you in the process of the adoption too so we are um, we finished our our home study and all the, most of the paperwork and so now yeah. it's a you lot passed. of yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we've officially. So they didn't interview your kids. So China has given us <laughs> given us permission to officially pursue this particular kid, yeah. and so and now it's a lot of paperwork going back and forth between governmental agencies, and so we're we're mm-hmm. uh, doing more waiting and fundraising right now than we are, uh, mm-hmm. you know, chasing down notaries and and things like that. So, but. Wow. You know. To be clear, Russ's family is awesome and I was poking fun at them because I like them. It's so funny. They're great kids. I was te- I was telling a, a fr- I won't mention his name cuz people know who he is, but he, I was telling this guy uh, that we were doing this and he didn't he, I, I was watching him process what I just said. He said, <laughs> we, "Hey, our, by the way, our family's getting ready to adopt a boy from China. He has a critical heart defect and and uh he was processing the information, and he goes, "How? How? Uh, wh- what are you trying to prove?" <laughs> Boy, and I think I'm cynical because when you told me, you know what I think I thought? Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. You're like, okay, all right. Okay. What was your answer? It was yeah, pretty much. You, I just laughed. Did you look at him and say, "Well, I'm better than you"? Yeah. Just, I think I probably did. Uh, My superiority. <laughs> <laughs> well, off mic, off mic. I'm about to find out who this was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, so yeah this know. this one won't this be our phone sucker punch of the week that we can't name, but this guy's gonna get sucker punched. The, the, the anonymous insulter of adoptive families. <laughs> trying to prove. Hi, Russ. Getting getting into the book sphere. You have you have a deep and abiding affection for a particular author mm-hmm. who I I don't think I've read. Maybe I did when I was Wait, like what? in high school. Is it? You're going to say Lee Finger? No. Oh. Not that one. I've tried to avoid that subject. <laughs> yeah. But while you're on the subject, go ahead. Get your jokes out of the way. Yeah, yeah, three right. of us have interviewed him before. I, I know. You knew that. Yeah. I've read Russ's. I, I have not sure listened to your respective interview. Yeah, I listened yeah. to See the this? podcast you guys did, and I, I thought the three of you together was one of the best things I'd ever heard. Or something. I, I listened mm-hmm. to this podcast, and no. there was something re- refreshingly different about that episode, and I don't know what it was. I couldn't put my finger on it, but it was working. Truth, truth be told, yeah. I read your interview first. Yeah, and, and, you know, and there were some pieces. The whole, I, the whole. When I first talked to Leif about, you know, that that quote that he shared with you first mm-hmm. was, "This is my most uh, Christian novel yet, least evangelical." Yeah, or he may have said it the opposite way, but yeah, you know, the point be made. Uh, uh-huh. Which I thought, like, man, that's what was like, whoa, okay, I can't wait to read the book. Yeah, and that's when I asked, you know. Uh, I think I talked to the publisher. I was like, "Man, send us a bunch of copies because we we got to bring them in." So yeah, yeah, that, he yeah he that was in a an email to me personally where he said that, and then I was writing an article for the Rabbit Room, you know, about the book. Mm-hmm. And I, I just said, "Hey, can I can I use that that quote because it's got it just carries a lot of freight, you yeah. know?" And uh, so he he 
yeah. gave me his blessing to do that. So cool. so glad he did because yeah. mm-hmm. because I think it's a I think it's a great um, one. I think it's a great tease for the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, I think it's also um, a pretty enlightening bit of information to have going into going into reading reading yeah. that novel and, and seeing what he's doing in there because it's just great. Mm-hmm. It's great. That's awesome. Well, it's good you started yeah. off. We wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not that <laughs> I was excited about the book. Period, but yeah. also. Uh, I was jealous you got an early view of it, so I don't think I had a get. You had a galley, I think, mm-hmm. uh, an advanced copy. I, I didn't I at refused, that point. I, I started the galley, and I was like, this is so good that I'm not going to finish the galley. I'm going to wait till I get my real copy so yes. that I can put put all my yeah. my mm-hmm. my marginal markings and underlinings and read and reread, and yeah. I wanted it in hardcover. So yeah. I gave the galley to somebody else who would be who had not read Anger and I was like okay we're paying this yeah. one forward mm-hmm. yeah listeners we are talking about Virgil Wander I know we've talked yeah. about that plenty but that's the particular <laughs> book we're talking yeah. about yeah if you're a new listener this yes. is what we call a man crush yes. is that, yes. that, that what it is it's, it's yeah. a little weird and we've just you know Russ just completes there's nothing this. weird about it <laughs> it's appropriate weirdness it's fine yeah, yeah. so you're, you were asking about Annie, Annie Dillard right? I was asking about yeah. Annie Dillard thank you for putting a little lemon juice in the paper cut of the fact that I have not interviewed Leifanger you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find, I'm going to make contact with him on my own. I'm going to interview him on my own. I'm going to leave all of you out. I'm going to te- text him right now. And let him- <laughs> 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 I, I hate you and all Christian love, Dave. <laughs> Annie Dillard. You have, you, you Dillard. love Annie Dillard's writing. Yeah. And uh, so Pilgrim at Tinker Creek is the only book that I think I've read, but it has been a long, long time. And I don't know her work at all. Yeah. But I have seen you reference her. Express your appreciation for write longer form pieces about the influence. What what is it about Annie Dillard's writing that you appreciate so much? I think the the first thing I would say about that <clears throat> is uh, it, I, I would trace back my desire to be an author to reading an Annie Dillard book. Which one? Uh, her novel called okay. The Living. Okay. Uh, which is a long kind of meandering novel it covers the span of a few generations of a family like the you know the people you meet in the first few chapters all kind of yeah. die before the first third of the book is over you know and then the, then you're reading about their kids and um, but and there's an Enneagram four all of that sad I'm a nine. Just, oh, you're nine. I'm a nine. I thought you were a four no no I'm, oh, okay. a, I'm a nine I thought you said you were a four at one point okay as a nine, that seems odd. I thought you were a four, which means you would love all the sadness. Sadness. Well, I do love the sadness. Okay. I, I think what it was. What, uh, so I was doing a semester abroad, and I was looking for something to read, uh, and the school had a copy of this. Somebody, uh, another student at the school, had a copy of this novel, and I said, "Check this out." And um, it has this. The, the it has a photo on the cover uh, that is. Um, a pretty breathtaking photo. It's mm-hmm. kind of a tin type of of loggers in Washington State in the early 1900s, and yeah. it's just this beautiful, like. And I kind of fell into the hole of that of that photo, and started reading the book. And her, the quality of her writing and some of her just sentences, just were just breathtaking. That so, what you just said is is the difference between like a novel reader and a mm-hmm. writer who reads. Uh, or like, or like a deep loving reader, because you you said her some of her sentences. Like most people who talk about books yeah. talk about, like I love the story, I love yeah. the characters, all of which 
really yeah. good things. But when you're when you're getting down to the way that somebody has put together, like the order that they've put the words in, yes. the vocabulary that's chosen, the that's, turn, that's the a, turn of a yes, phrase. I remember that's a, that's one a whole sentence. different thing. I remember <clears throat> one sentence that that I read in that in that book the first time I was reading it. I still remember to yeah. this day. And I can't tell you many other books where I, I can quote to you a sentence. Right. Um, but it was it was this was the sentence. It was about a um, a uh, a man who's who's uh, he'd lost his wife, mm-hmm. and he and, and and the line was he felt her absence from his side as amputation behind his breastbone. Was the sentence, mm. and Oof. I yeah. just was like. Whoa. <laughs> What just happened? Yeah. You know, and but and so then I started reading more, and the next thing I read actually was was a uh, was Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, which yeah. was her first book, and it won the Pulitzer, uh, and she was in her early twenties, uh, and so it's a rough way to start. It is because you got to live up to yourself after that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Is that the place you should start mm-hmm. if you've never read any Annie Dillard? The place I tell people to start is I tell them to start with um, an expedition to the pole, uh, which is a collection of essays. Uh, because mm, I think okay. Annie's strength um, is in the standalone essay. And a lot of her books, the chapters read like standalone essays. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of around a similar theme. Um, but uh, I wrote to her while I was, so I was in Israel. That's where I was studying. And I had read The Living, and then I got another book of hers, uh, Teaching a Stone to Talk. And I read this, this essay called An Expedition to the Pole. And to this day, it's the finest essay I've ever read in my life. Uh, I, it's, it's the, it's the, for me, it's one of the greatest pieces of writing that I've ever encountered. Mm. And so I wrote her a, a letter, uh, airmailed it over to her. This is back in the nineties. And she wrote me back. She, 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 it was a postcard, huh. you know, so yeah. that James Taylor line sends a long letter, gets back a postcard. Times are hard, but I have a postcard from Annie Dillard. And in that postcard, she says that expedition to the pole was her favorite thing that she'd ever written to. Um, but well, anyway, clearly, so she, clearly she has good taste. She clearly she has she was right about that one. But I think I think what happened was was in in reading her um, that was in the season where where the Lord was just kind of unlocking in my in my mind and heart a desire to do that. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't just leave those books inspired by what I had read. I left those books inspired to go and do likewise, uh, and to you know. So she's kind of been my muse. Like I you know I aspire to stand in the foothills of what Annie Dillard has, has done with with um, the way she writes. And, in common parlance, you want to write like Annie Dillard when you grow up. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah I do, I do, and uh, yeah, so, so yeah, I think, the, I think the teaching it's a stone to talk and expedition, or, and uh, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek are both great places. Her book, American Childhood, which is a memoir, is also fantastic. And then um, she, uh, uh, she has a book called The Writing Life, and if you're a writer, mm-hmm. yeah. that's my favorite book about about writing by a writer that I've okay. that I've ever. Read. I haven't read that one. I that you would love that because yeah. it, because it's it's less like you know about um, what she does. You know, it's less about kind of like, like well, here's how craft. I go about it, and here's yeah. the craft, and it's and it's more a it's more of a a, a demonstration of, of beautiful, excellent writing. Okay. While it's on the subject of writing, uh, and yeah. so it's 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 great. 
I'm writing it down. What was the name? Is American Childhood? American Childhood. That was the memoir? Okay. Yeah. And then A Writing Life. The Writing Life, yeah. yeah. Cool. Those, oh, those and, popped up as kind of one yeah. of the top ones. Yeah. 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 And one other book I'll mention um, is a really short, it's maybe maybe 60 pages long, and it's called Holy the Firm. And what happened was she wrote her first book, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, won the Pulitzer, and now as a writer, the world is her oyster, right? She can mm-hmm. do whatever she wants. And so she decides that she's going to write about th- just three ordinary days in her hometown. And and so that's what Holy the Firm, she started off doing that. And on the second day, mm-hmm. uh, there's this air festival that happens and a plane crashes into the, mm. it crashes at the air festival. Yeah. And, um, and ends up hurting people who were there at the festival. And then, and then she kind of stopped and started keying in on what happened there. Yeah. And it ended up taking her a couple of years to finish this, uh, if I remember right, this 60-page thing. And it becomes this, this foray into um, the suffering of, of this particular person. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's, I've never read anything like it, it because yeah. it's, it's, it's almost like a dream sequence in some mm-hmm. ways, but it's, but it's not hard to follow. Uh, and, and, and it's just, yeah. Okay. So anyway, Annie, Annie has, has my, my attention. Can, can we hone in on one thing you just said? Yeah. You used the phrase, the world is her oyster. Uh-huh. I know what this means. <laughs> I want to know where it came from. Can we discuss amongst ourselves the phrase, <laughs> the world is your oyster? Because... I, I have no idea where it came from. Right. It's one of those things that we're like, oh, okay, yeah. But, but why? Let's, why oysters? Let's get on the Google. And, See what no, Google, nothing like Googling thing on audio There's something to discover. I mean, because when you open one up. Is there a pearl in there? Yeah. How? Does it yeah. Just enjoy seafood yeah. that's a lot like eating a loogie? Like, <laughs> what, what is, I don't understand. Uh, these, are, these are the things that keep me up at night. Yeah. I got nothing on that. Absolutely nothing. Man. Well, thanks for okay. coming on the show, Ross. <laughs> okay. <laughs> outside of uh, well. Outside of Annie Dillard, what do you, what do you read on the, like, you have guilty pleasure reads like do you enjoy yeah any sort of like oh this is a bad book but i really enjoy it well i don't know that i would call them bad but i would definitely put them in the in the guilty pleasure category is i love louis l'amour books you know these these formulaic westerns oh they're Um, yes they're absolutely on a formula and you know you know early on generally who's gonna live and who's gonna die Uh yep you know that there's going to be an impossible back against the wall, pinned in the canyon, no way out, mm-hmm. and then and then something's going to happen, and there's going to be somebody who's in distress, usually a woman, usually a widow, usually a widow with a kid. Yeah, you know, and there's kind of like a Lee Child book that way. There's there's some there's some but, either. But, but yeah. Lou Moore's heroes are are like a little bit more noble and virtuous sure. than, than the Jack Reachers. Oh, of the absolutely. World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think there's something about this. The simplicity, the black and whiteness of of a Louis Lamore book, and and the, uh, you know, the nobility that is infused. Have you read any of his longer ones? So like he's he's got a thousand of those westerns. Uh They're basically like Hardy Boys in cowboy form, sort of. Totally. But so he wrote one called Last of the Breed, which is about it was about an American pilot who got shot down over Siberia doing like a spy mission. But he's he has that doesn't sound like a western. No. He survival. Has, so he has, he has Native American. He's like, I think he's half Native American. And uh-huh. so he, he sort of rediscovers his roots in, in survival 
in oh. Siberia to escape back to the United States across the uh, what is it the Bering Strait oh. mm. so it's but I mean it's it's, it's well, escaping okay. Russian this is like it super was, cold war yeah it was yeah. cold war era yeah. okay. so, so yeah. okay so worlds are colliding because the other guilty pleasure that I have is survival stories okay is mm. I love survival stories me too I'll, I'll yeah. get you know um you know, mountain disaster stories. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, people getting lost in the woods. Yep. You like into thin air. You like those types oh, of. I yeah, love that kind of true stuff. or not, but yeah, yeah true but yeah. or not. Yeah. There's a great book by a guy named Lawrence Gonzalez called Deep Survival. Have you guys ever read this? No. no. Uh, the subject, the tagline is <laughs> "Who lives, who dies, and why," uh, and it's survival stories and and it and and just kind of exploring. See, that sounds more fascinating to me. Like, I have a hard time doing the 300 pages on an expedition that goes awry. Yeah. That's just, it's not my favorite genre, but what you just yeah. described sounds a little it's bit so like, so there's a book called The Captain Class that okay. looks at the best sports teams in history, according to this, I think his name is Sam Miller? Or Sam yeah, Walker, like I can't that. remember. Um, do you the remember? common characteristic of what makes the elite teams the elite teams, mm -hmm. and he comes down to the captain of the team and what those characters are. So it kind of sounds yeah. like that. Yeah, that's what he's basically. Yeah, he's basically studying. Right. I'm putting this survival one on the situations and yeah, Lawrence Gonzalez, mm -hmm. Deep Survival. One of the great little details in that book. I won't give the whole thing away, but he talks about how um, one of the best, one of the most likely demographics to survive being lost in the wilderness is children under the age of four. Huh. Really? Yep. And he, he said, he said it happens more than you would think. A kid under the age of four gets lost wanders. in the woods and just wanders out of the woods yeah. one day. And, and he said the reason is, is because when you get to a certain age, you have a sense of how things are supposed to be. And when they're not that way, you're trying to get your current situation to conform to how it's supposed like, to be. Yeah. Huh. So you're lost and you're trying to get found. Instead of just adapting. And yeah. And a, and a kid is like, well, if, I'm, if I'm cold, I'll huddle up and if I'm thirsty I'll drink some water and if I'm I'm hungry yeah. I'll eat something that I find on the ground and Re and Russ are you using this as like a, a sermon illustration sometimes too I have bring used, this into it I have yeah. used that as a sermon yeah. illustration although mm -hmm. there's something about childlike faith in there somewhere well no I mean yeah there's lost and found type you know yeah. but, but it's more I don't know I'm just listening to this like I don't know many pastors who read like you and know how to extract stories yeah. that are going to help illustrate I've, what you're doing. I've never been that whenever mm. I was a songwriter for a while and then yeah. and then now I write sermons and whenever anybody you know has like a you know an idea or I'll say something or something will happen and they'll say oh you should put that into a sermon almost never works that way almost yeah. never works that way you know I'm not looking really for yeah. well you're not the way you preach isn't like example three points yeah like you, yeah having listened like to you preach having listened to you present and having read your writing, narrative is your thing. Narrative's my thing, yeah, narrative's my thing. I mean, thing. so the, the narrative of, whether it's a theological arc or yeah. a biblical story or, I mean, three of your books are retelling the narratives of, what was it, Ad, it's Advent and the Christmas story, yeah. Easter, Lent, Lent and the Easter story, and then the kind of the, the formation of the church. Yeah, the book of Acts, yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. the three of them together is yeah. e Eden to Rome, yeah. you know, is, is the arc of, of that. And those are, have those been retitled? Yes. Or just recovered? Yeah, they're all they're all retitled, recovered. They're with IVP uh, now. Yeah. So it's the uh, the advent of the Lamb of God that's is the right. first one, and that's basically Eden, the Old Testament story, up through the Nativity right. story, and then the Passion of the King of Glory, which is the life ministry 
death and resurrection of Jesus. So a synthesis of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the mission of the body of Christ is the third one. And yeah. it's, it's basically the ascension of Jesus through the rest of the narrative of the New Testament, which is mostly the book of Acts and then some narrative bits that you get in. Uh, some of the epistles and yeah. and you know um, that sort of thing and so mm -hmm. it's a biblical literacy tool because mm -hmm. most you know as, I, as a pastor one of the things I'm finding is that um, it's an incredibly biblically illiterate age yeah. right yes. now and that's not like an insult as much as just a statement of people have not read the Bible correct right? and so even a lot of people who who would claim Christianity as their faith have not read the source material right um, from beginning to end and they don't really know you know if I said hey put Abraham, Moses, and David in chronological order. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd be surprised if it would be if, a little dicey. Yeah, you, yeah. People, people, but I, I don't know. I might. They might. You know, get David right, but the Moses and Abraham part. You know, and so I wrote those to to basically give kind of a bigger picture arc right. of how those all mm -hmm. and, and you know with the thread toward and the and the presumption that they're all leading to Christ and they're all pointing to Christ and right. and so trying to help make those connections and, yeah um, well, well yep. you you brought you, you made an interesting point there with with biblical illiteracy that I wonder if some of it is is that we and I'm really glad that the the way that you're doing it is trying to help people help people with this but just the fact that it's like we haven't taught anyone we, we've forgotten either forgotten how ourselves or we've forgotten how to teach people how to read this book is is really troubling um you know because we we treat it as a you know a list uh basically a uh, book of disconnected sayings or or moral or morality tales instead of actually yeah. having a having a narrative yeah. arc to it um, which you can see if you're paying if you're paying attention and you know how to read books in general. Yeah, Sandra McCracken and I just did a workshop here at this conference um, yesterday on reading scripture with an engaged imagination. And part of what we were talking about is is how I think a very Western way of approaching the Bible is what's the what's the application. Yeah. You know, so I'm reading a passage. Okay, now what am I supposed to do with it? What's the application? How do I apply yeah. it to my life? Yeah. And I think that undermines the way a story works. Yeah. Because um, a story, and it, a lot of the stories Jesus told don't resolve with a, and here's the moral to the story. In fact, people would come to his disciples and say, what was that about? And they would say, we don't, we don't know. <laughs> you know, and, and only occasionally would Jesus break it down for them and say, okay, so here's the weed, these four weeds, these four plants that grow up. Here's, here's what it is. But most of the time, it, it, the kind of the power of it was that here's a very um, human narrative that now overlays on your human experience. And there's complexity and there's nuance and there's... Um, it, you know, it, there's no like big gold shining takeaway of go and do likewise. It's now I have to sit with that story and then that helps inform yeah. my own experience. It's striking how similar what you're saying is to we, we talked to Karen Swallow prior on a mm -hmm. previous episode and she was so she's a literature professor. Yeah. We talked about her book on reading well and kind of where that came from. And she was talking about just general illiteracy. Like we're not mm -hmm. a reading culture. Yeah. yeah. Um, not that people can't read, but we. We read tweets, we read quick articles, quick headlines, posts, everything, but very rarely do we sit and kind of dwell or relish a book. And she said, 
the one of the most common problems for students bring into the classroom, so college level, is they want to jump straight to the interpretation. So you like buzz through the story and they're like, well, here's what I thought about it. Mm -hmm. And she said, instead of just slowing down and kind of the the words that are used, the language. So you went back, going back to like the, the sentences piece. Yeah. What, how was this thing put yeah. together? Which you, trans, you transition that to biblical literacy and you have, it's the same concept, but with a, you know, but you got the Holy Spirit involved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole different thing. I think that's a brilliant insight. Um, that that it's not just biblical. When you're talking about biblical liter literacy, you're also just talking about general yeah. literacy yeah. and the the ability to, to sustain a thought. Right. Uh, the ability to um, to to stick with something for for yeah. you know even as an author, you know, I think about chapter length and I think. I think gone are the days of twenty-page chapters. If you want, or if you do that, you better put like a subheading sub yeah. every page and a half. Lots, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It, it so, essentially becomes all these little chapters. Yeah, that, the these way little vignettes. Yeah. So, that, so that the reader mm -hmm. doesn't have that overwhelmed feeling of you know. Yeah. Am I progressing? <laughs> yeah, am, am I, I getting the concept? This, this is too yeah. much. I mean, mm -hmm. and I love reading, but I, I I get a sense of sort of I want to give up if I if I I see a solid block of text mm -hmm. on two two facing pages. I turn it's, the page and there's another one. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. this yeah. is four, it's four pages. <laughs> yeah. It is four, it's pages. four pages, and I'm like, I quit. <laughs> I yeah. give up. I want no part in this. <laughs> but isn't that fascinating funny. though? Because like you're a very experienced reader and an actively engaged one, but you still have that now. I mean, yeah. I, I do too. I yeah. Mean, it's, oh yeah. Like I'm mentally just prepare for going but into But it's that. only with nonfiction, and for me, really? that I have that problem with. Yeah, like, yeah that's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. if, if a novel is is flowing, you know, you're just yeah. sort of like you're moving through it. Yeah, eight, twelve pages without a chapter. Yeah, okay. and and, and I wonder if that's and I wonder how much of that is that we've done it to ourselves, so mm -hmm. um, that we have created the expectation that because we know that people are not terribly strong at reading because we're we're wanting people to understand what we're reading and we're wanting them to get the point of what we're reading mm -hmm. um, we've maybe done them a disservice by making it too easy for them mm. um, and treating our books like blog posts yeah yeah the, have you read uh, Anthony Doerr's book All the Light We Cannot See I have not I have it is yes it's this combination mm -hmm. of there's not a wasted mm -hmm. sentence in no. that book. Mm -hmm. it's and, I need, I need and there are a lot it. of chapters that are yeah. half a page long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's mm -hmm. so it's like a it's this combination mm -hmm. of a literary achievement mm -hmm. and a page turner. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. and it's this perfect blend Don, of Don man. so Don Winslow writes like that too. I don't know if you guys have read. So mm -hmm. he's one of those authors who I can't really recommend because his books are really what we call gritty. Mm -hmm. They have lots of content. And they he, have stuff. So read they have, with yeah, discretion. They have, they have some scenes, um, some <laughs> language, but uh, they. But he he is a brilliant writer, storyteller, character developer. He's not he's not as he's not beautifully literary, but in terms of story creation, is brilliant. But he does that where he'll have three sentence chapters, mm -hmm. just to sort of like it's like a snapshot of a scene to tie two larger chapters yeah. together, or a flashback or something like that, and it. And it does work, but you also it, you then don't have a problem going into a twelve or fourteen page chapter yeah. that you just flow through, and then you get yeah, and then there's a paragraph, and then there's it just yeah. When you're getting to something, I think that there's there's a there's kind of a social contract between a reader and a writer. 
mm-hmm. right? That that an author. I mean, you got to. If I want to have a seventeen-page chapter, then I should probably have a four-page <laughs> right. chapter. You know, like yeah. as part of my. I want to make you Brussels. Yeah, yeah. I'll like you Brussels sprouts. Here's some dessert. We're in this yeah. together. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're in this together. Yeah. I know. I know what your experience is like. Also, yeah. let's be honest. After you write a seventeen-page chapter, you only want to write about four more sentences. So. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Because you want to complete something. That's true. You know, like, you know what? I, yeah, I need to feel better yeah. myself. Yeah. Everybody wins. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, your your extreme opposite is. Uh, I mean, I remember, I remember reading Da Vinci Code, like, every chapter is a page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You remember and, that? And, and they're all know. bad. It's amazing. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's it 600 bad pages. I know. Yeah. I know. It's yeah. long. It's a big book. But, but it's, it is funny. It's like all these you, little... How as a reader, you just kind of feel awesome. Like, oh, I'm crushing this book. I know. I'm chapter already on, 30. I'm already on chapter 30. And like, I just oh, there's started. 700 more. They're like, and I'm 11 pages in. Wait a That's minute. <laughs> The math doesn't add up. 40, I had 50 no million idea. copies later, so, he's laughing. That's yeah, right. I was so sure. Good at this. <laughs> that was his real plan, was just to get people to, to buy uh, all the copies. Dan Brown, work. all the way to the bank. Well, here's man. the deal. Yeah. If you can piss off yeah. the evangelicals, you can sell a lot of books. Mm. Well, the bar's pretty low there, so I'm pretty sure that we've, <laughs> that we've done that with at least three or four today. I am looking for a... Uh, I got a number recently uh, somebody sent to me about the girl stop. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Girl stop apologizing. Um, Rachel Hollis's book. Yeah, Rachel Hollis's book uh, had a uh, the first order uh, first order out in stores was for one million copies. Mm -hmm. So that's a number that I've heard of. It's like a pretend number in my mind when it comes to books. <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of mind mind boggling. Say yeah. that number Just again. A million a million books was was like the first, the first print run. <laughs> yeah, first print run was a million a million books. Dave, mm-hmm. we don't do print runs of a million books. Dang. That's impressive. We're, we have a, so we have a profitable, successful publishing company we work <laughs> yeah. for. Yeah, it's. It's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy. Funny money. That's monopoly money at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At that yeah, point, you, you're just like, oh, there's, there's. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that that's when you're in the category you, of all publicity is good, good publicity. Sure. Right? Yeah, there's yeah. really nothing oh, that sure. can happen at that yeah. point. That's, you're, that's you're a printing that's cash a cultural at that point. phenomenon. Not yeah. a. That's not a successful book. Right. Yeah. Right. Like but it, but it is. Yeah, it is fascinating that how many, like, how a book becomes ubiquitous. You know, like. Yeah. What's the what's the the special sauce? You know, so yeah. that begs the question: How do evangelicals respond in a thoughtful way in the way that they read and interpret things? I'm, I'm, this is what I love about you, Res, because you don't you're not the typical yeah. pastor, and you're not. I mean, I love the conference we're at, but the reading kind of one type of thing. Oh, sure, not all of them are. I just mean, but uh, but that's the whole, that's the purpose here. It's a theological you know uh, yeah. discussion here. So, but yeah, what do you, what do you tell a Christian? Who wants to remain thoughtful, um, yet also core? Yeah, I think. Well, um, if I'm talking around that around that subject, I think one of the things that I encourage our con- our congregation to do when I'm when I'm as I'm preaching and as I'm working and and communicating to them, um, I talk a lot about the Christian faith as something that we we practice. And so you've you've heard that terms like I'm a practicing Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's something beautiful about that, about unpacking that term a little bit, because it doesn't just mean I am one. It means that there's a, an aspect of this faith where I, I do certain things that are um, a kind of a refining, growing process of learning how to be this. Mm, yeah. So when you come to the communion table, you're practicing your faith. Um, 
in, in a way where you're rehearsing, you're drilling, like an athlete, uh, you know, gets steps into the batting cage, like a musician practices scales that, that um, scripture reading, prayer, being a part of the local community, um, reading theology, but also just reading in general as a person who's a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just something you do, it's something that you practice at. Uh, and so you, you, you know, so it's trying to encourage people, look, um, until the end of your life, you will always have the opportunity to be growing in the depth of your understanding of the gospel and, and, and your faith. And so, you know, you didn't stop practicing this when you were a teenager and then became an adult and then, okay, now we go to church and these are the Bible studies we're a part of and, and that's what my Christian life is, is that... Another, bring your bring your mind, bring your heart, bring your experiences, bring your relationships, um, and uh, and treat all of this as activity and devotion and belonging, but also treat it as practice. The, the, you, you know, and I, I think that's where, I, including the cultivation of the mind and critical thinking, um, which I think that's where it gets lost is people just don't have good critical thinking skills anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And social media doesn't help. No. Um, it's not built for that. Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> it's not built for intellectual integrity. What's no. emotion? Pure emotion. Oh, yeah. reaction. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so on that note, um, speaking of pure emotion. <laughs> pure. Man, I can't wait. It is, it Russ, is. you're the nicest guy in the world, but we're going to force you into a real uncomfortable yeah. position here. So, um, <laughs> we're going to make, we're gonna make the nine do a mean thing. No, no, That's no. right. <laughs> I want to hear from you. Who... Do you who do you want to punch right in their stupid face? <laughs> For our Jack Reacher sucker, <laughs> Jack Reacher sucker punch of the week. And and is it the person who questioned your motivation for adoption? No, because that he he knew he was making a joke, but, okay. he, was, yeah. but he was searching for words, and that's what came out of his mouth. Um, <laughs> he should have searched a little bit harder and longer. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think the person I would, okay, well, this, this just came up recently. Uh, you guys watched the river, a river, uh, not a river runs through it, a band of brothers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant Sobel. That's a good choice. That's the, uh, the David Schwimmer yeah, David character. Yeah. character. David Schwimmer playing the guy David Schwimmer. Huh? Yeah, the guy, the guy who says, who says, oh, we're gonna take a half day. And then he loads him up with spaghetti and makes him run up a mountain. That yeah. guy, yeah. that guy. There you go. To be fair, he did get what was coming to him. Absolutely. He did. He did. And, and it, was, it was so satisfying. It was so yeah. satisfying. I mean, was, David Schwimmer, just in general, he he qualifies. But uh, And I love it. It takes nine episodes for it to get to that point, too. I love mm-hmm. that scene. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I've only watched that series once. And oh, really? I, and I, so I don't rewatch a ton of things, but that one I need to rewatch. You should. It's it, great. It, it, it holds up. It yeah. holds mm-hmm. up. Was that a Stephen Ambrose book? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a Stephen Ambrose book, okay. and it was a Spielberg, Tom Hanks, yeah. um, HBO you. thing. Yeah. I watched it <laughs> like after 9 11, I remember. So mm-hmm. good. I tried yeah. to watch The Pacific. So it's, mm-hmm. which is also Ambrose, also produced by the, at least yeah. Hanks. Yeah. yeah. And it was. It did not. It no, there, was, well, there was kind of no character development. Band of Brothers is lightning in a bottle. Yeah, yeah. It, but it it's was, not really Ambrose. There wasn't one. Defend, there's three books that make it up, and that's yeah. part of the problem. It's I the mean, Pacific three members, or Band of the Brothers. Pacific. Yeah. yeah. So it's not. Yeah. I mean, they're all. They're, those are great books on their own, but yeah, yeah I know it. It, it doesn't yeah. hold the same. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah they couldn't repeat. Yeah. No. Nope. Right. Cool. So, Captain Sobel. So, gentlemen, Captain before Sobel. before we before we go to our next question, 
I found the answer to where 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 the phrase "the world is your oyster" came from. Oh, that's mm. why you were quiet throughout much of this episode. Yes, you were, you were doing you were research. It you is. You were being a five. Uh, <laughs> I was taking no. I was taking all this in because everything Russ said was fascinating, and I was just interested. <laughs> so I was listening. Good recovery. I was also researching, but um, the it is a it is from William Shakespeare. Really? In what kind? But yeah, but still, the Merry Wives of Windsor. Windsor. Okay. Um, in a bit of dialogue between Falstaff and Pistol, it says, "I will not lend thee a penny. Why then, the world's mine oyster, which I which I with sword will open." And Falstaff continues and says, "Not a penny." So basically, he's going. So Falstaff is going, or Pistol is going to take what he wants violently we've dropped the violent connotation but basically oh we're so soft bunch of snowflakes so what i was saying was after annie dillard wrote her pulitzer prize winning book in her early 20s yeah she was poised to stab the world in the eye with a knife and take it all absolutely the world is hers to enjoy she could she could hold the world hostage that's right that's yeah I like that. She can, I like that version better than like you can have anything you want. Like no, no, you can take anything you want. That's, and that's the thing. It's, yeah. it's if I don't, if if you're not going to give it to me, I'm going to take it. That's the that's the original mean. That's the original kind take of. Oh, okay. God bless Shakespeare. Right. There you go. Now, yeah. big question: What are we? What are we all reading? Mm. Would our guest like to go first? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's nerdy. I'm reading a. I love nerdy. Um, a book on Michelangelo's David oh. sculpture, which is fascinating. I'm an art nerd, and I, I love the stories behind mm. pieces of art. So I'm reading that. I'm reading a, a memoir called Educated. Uh, have you guys heard of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I haven't read it. But I forget the author's name. Okay. But uh, basically, it's the story of a, of a, a woman who grew up uh, in kind of a Mormon cult Mm-hmm. Uh, that the family lived completely off the grid. She didn't have a social security number, nothing. And mm. she didn't go to school and didn't really know people outside of their little their little mm-hmm. bubble until she was older. And then she got educated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, went to college and, yeah. and uh, somehow. And so I'm, I'm, I'm early into the book, but it's just, it's an interesting, yeah. weird, mm-hmm. weird sort of uh, memoir. Yeah, and then I'm yeah. always uh, lately. I've always been kind of. I'm working through a collection of E.B. White's essays. You know, the guy that wrote mm-hmm. Charlotte's Web. Yeah, um, I love long form essays. I, I just I love I love essays, mm-hmm. and uh, it's one of my favorite kinds of writing. And, and um, also elements of style. Yeah, elements of style. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. he, was he, he took William Strunk's yeah. stuff and sort of updated it. And yeah, it's funny. Strunk and White is one of those books that you get assigned as a tool for your English classes. But it is a great read. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is a. It's it's funny. Yeah, the first it's, quarter of it's a little grinding through. There's a lot of grammatical rules, but then uh-huh. you get into some of the, the stuff after it, and yeah. it gets much more entertaining. Yeah, it's very <laughs> it's very entertaining for that. But he, especially if you're a bit of a writing nerd. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. His his essays. He's he's another one that just you know he he his writing is so clean and so um, uh, you can tell that he genuinely. Uh, Enjoys the things that yeah. he's writing about, yeah. and he and he's and he's generally fascinated by the world he lives in, and so he'll write about it's things. It's almost disappointing that Charlotte's Web is what he's most known for. Not that it's not a, I mean, it's a wonderful novel, but 
he was a journalist and an essayist and a professor. Mm -hmm. Like he was, he was prolific in a mm -hmm. bunch of other kinds of writing that, yeah. that he was brilliant at. Yeah. Something. All right. Uh, I'm st still doing the church history stuff. So uh, I'm. Uh, we're in finishing up Reformation, but also on the story of Christianity, Gonzalez's. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, that's been fun for the class. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a one-on-one -on -one class at West End, so we're having fun. So we've yeah. got a ton of books we're going through, but that's Those that, Gonzalez that's books easiest. are very readable. They're very mm -hmm. readable, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're the real heady stuff, certainly are good for reference, no doubt, but uh, that's, yeah, it's it's a good set to have. So mm -hmm. it's been been very helpful. Yeah. Uh, I just started a book. I don't think I've said this one on the podcast. I can't remember. It called The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, so you haven't mentioned you that one yet. Okay. Mm -hmm. it's the, it's, the subtitle is The Truth About the American Church's Complicity in Racism. So Jamar is a, he's a, he's a African-American historian, Christian. So he's looking at the church's participation in everything from slavery to kind of post-Civil War, the Jim Crow era, all the way up through kind of the rise of evangelicalism and, and the, the kind of de facto segregation that still exists and uh, he's he's a brilliant thinker brilliant writer loves Jesus also loves the church so he's not he's not just he's not taking shots yeah well he's he is giving really pointed valid criticism yeah. that people will be really uncomfortable with mm -hmm. but is also the kind of thing that's necessary to deal with a pressing issue um, and he's a good writer too just yeah. writes very clearly it's not it's not a kind of high-end scholarly mm -hmm. drudgery so yeah I'm, I'm not into it far but know him well enough to know that I'm going to enjoy it yeah. and, nice. and I'm a little nervous because I, I thoroughly suspect it's gonna feel like a kick in the teeth a few times and rightfully so but yeah It'll be so color of compromise is mine. All right, so I got a couple. Good. I got a couple. So one is um, one is don't panic, Douglas Adams and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So it is actually a. <laughs> um, Am I allowed to hate the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah. <laughs> um, no. No. Okay. No. Well, there's me breaking the rules again. I have very ambivalent feelings about it. I've had it was one of those ones where I was like, there are sentences in here that are brilliant, <laughs> and the whole book gave me a headache. <laughs> it's it's a very particular kind. I I understand if you don't like it. It's it is a very particular kind of book. But Douglas Adams is a very particular kind of of writer. You have to be <laughs> you have to be wired. You have to be wired a certain way to to enjoy that. Mm -hmm. I think, um, which I do. So, um, but it's the same with people like Terry Pratchett. If you don't like Douglas Adams, you're probably not going to like Terry Pratchett. Um, it's just, it's a type of humor that it's its own thing. So I've got that going. We're continuing as a family the, um, the Luck Ugly series by Paul Durham that I mentioned, um, I think last episode. And um, I'm also just, just for fun, I got, I got a new book with pictures. <laughs> um, the Flash Volume Nine: Reckoning of the Forces by Joshua Williamson, which is which is just great fun. It makes me glad that I like on this podcast. We have one person who loves just comics and nerdy things, and mm. it, it it adds a whole different. I mean, this like yeah. it, it adds a whole different element. That University Books is a thing that I know nothing about. There you go. Yeah. And I there think it's go. great that well, you, you need love to, it. You need to sign up for my monthly my monthly paid a, book club. Okay. So where we can go through comic books together? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> for $14.95 a month, 
Plus the price of the book. Plus the price of the book, because you book. remember, you've got to buy your own. Yeah. Man, if only Michael Hyde had thought of this, he'd be rich. Oh. <laughs> he's, he's muddling through. He's doing all right. You know? yeah. Man, he, he's getting he struggles to find ways to get people to pay him, though. So mm. um, I'm glad you thought of this. <laughs> there you go. You're a real, you're a real trendsetter. Well, thank Is you. there a place thank I you. can I sign up that. to get on one of his email lists? Oh. <laughs> oh. 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 All right. Well, <laughs> we love you, Russ. Right yeah, there. That's great. Just because of that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, on that note, Russ, thanks for thanks for joining us on this. This was a lot of fun. Um, listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show. Gentlemen, thanks for hanging out as always. And um, yeah, check out uh, check out some of the books that we've talked about today. Do leave your glowing Especially Russ's. Especially Russ's. All of Russ's. Okay, we're post him. I don't yeah. even think we mentioned at length Russ's memoir. We talked about the... We didn't the, talk about it at all. So the, the Russ's book mm-hmm. struck. struck. It's a yes. memoir of when yep. you had suffered life-threatening yes. heart failure um, and then so sort of confrontation with facing death and the sadness lament everything around yeah. mm-hmm. that that is a beautiful book thank you so mm-hmm. it's not it is not a it's not a Christian teaching book in mm-hmm. the in the nonfiction sense it's a it's memoir I loved it it was so good so we would be remiss if we did not give that one it's due it's due attention do you know who uh, wrote an endorsement of that book me you did, but I do you did. know who else did? Uh, no. A guy actually. named Leif Anger. Oh. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah he wrote the huh. endorsement. Of that? Never met him. Turn around. Yeah. <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> Guys, it's hard to podcast with a knife in my back. I know. <laughs> but here we are. I'm soldiering on. There you go. But struck, yes, Leif Anger also thought it was good. So that, if you don't trust me, trust the guy that these guys all know and I don't. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So. Get you grew up down the road from him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, there we go. So now that we've gotten one last shot in at Barnabas today, um, yeah, Russ, thanks again. Yes, my uh, pleasure. This is fun. It's great. Yeah, listeners, do leave your glowing five star rating and review. Buy lots of books from the uh, from the list that we leave in the show notes. Um, and if, of course, if you want to sponsor this podcast, hit us up. We will we will be glad to take your money. And uh, until next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye. This is an area code podcast.